welcome in to the Daily Ding You here at The Athletic, presented by BetUGM. I am Michael Beller. We are getting ready to start the second round. What a first round it was. Uh, we had to wait two years for this tournament, but it has been worth the wait after the first couple of days that we have seen in this NCAA tournament. It has been a ton of fun, and we are ready to get ready and talk second round action. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Brian Bennett. And Brian, I mean... There's really no overstating just how great this first round was, and it gives us all the confidence in the world that we are going to get an awesome tournament the rest of the way, too. Total chaos. I love it. Uh, so many double-digit seeds advancing. Uh, crazy games from the very first game going to overtime uh, in the first round. This the last game of the first round, Abilene Christian crazy upset. Just a, a remarkable couple days of this tournament. Who knows where we're going? We even had a forfeiture from COVID. So it's, uh, it's, it's as, as wild as we thought it might be. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I mean, yeah, right to, to be bookended with what we started with in the first four and then have the very first game of the actual tournament go into overtime and then a 14, three upset, giving us a 12, 13, 14 and 15 all into the, uh, the second round, just uh, an incredible couple of days of the tournament. And I think you can make an argument that it was the best first round we've ever seen. And obviously, we're talking shades of gray when we get to that point. But just an unbelievable first round from start to literal finish with Abilene Christian pulling off the monumental upset last night to get themselves into the second round in a matchup with UCLA. We're going to talk about our favorite second round matchups, of course, from a betting perspective. We're going to start with Brian and I doing that. We'll bring on... BetMGM's Jason Scott to talk us through some of the action that he's seeing at the sportsbook. And then we'll bring on a couple of our colleagues to round out our full-on second-round coverage. But, Brian, it's our show. You yeah. know, we're the ones hosting this. We get to start things off. So let's talk about our favorite games of this second round. You got things going just right off the bat. We're not waiting. The very first <laughs> game of the second round, highly anticipated, where I live in Chicago, Illinois and Loyola. Illinois, the number one seed, of course, laying six and a half against Loyola. And these are spreads as we are talking about them now. Of course, if you're watching them a little later, especially for the Monday games, these might change. So always be sure to check that out on BetMGM. But right now, we've got Illinois minus six and a half going up against Loyola, the eighth seed. Uh, 133 and a half is our over under on this game. Uh, and, and Brian, I said this yesterday. You know, I like when you just give me the games you like, not necessarily the side. <laughs> that you like in the game because I do have a strong feeling on this one as well but I don't know where yours is it's a highly anticipated matchup it feels more like a sweet 16 game than a second round game where are you going on this one yeah first of all I want to say uh, Loyal Chicago was fantastic against Georgia Tech and yes. you know I, I thought they if, if that and I wasn't sure they're going to win that game and I thought you know Georgia Tech could cover uh just you know with the with the matchup there but I, I do like Illinois a lot in this game and that's that's no slight to Loyal Chicago which is a Fabulous teams had a terrific season. I just I think the matchup is pretty good for Illinois, uh, especially when you consider you know Cameron Crutwig is so important to what they what they do at Loyola Chicago, and he's going to have to go up against Kofi Coburn, who is just a you know an absolute monster inside uh, with his size and physicality, and I think that's going to be a tough matchup. And, and then Illinois is just playing so so well, uh, yeah, really for the last few weeks, um, you know they, they look like a juggernaut, and to only have to give up six and a half points for for such a good looking one seed at this point. You know, against a team from the Missouri Valley Conference, no matter how good they are, um, I think I'll take that and then run with it all day long. 
Yeah, you've got uh, you've got both uh, Ken Palm and T rank coming in as uh, a little bit lower on this game, thinking that Illinois should be more in the four four and a half range. I'm not super surprised to see them up at six and a half with the way they've played. And you hit on it right away. The reason why I like Illinois also is because of the uh, Kofi Coburn Cameron Crutwig matchup. Crutwig is such a uh, stirrer of the drink for what Loyola, excuse me, does offensively, and you have to go up against a guy like Coburn who can be out on the perimeter with him, who can give him a ton of trouble on the inside. It feels like Loyola's offense could be uh, in more fits and starts than we saw from them against Georgia Tech. So I'm very much anticipating this game. I love that this is the first game of the second round. I am with you, though. If I'm making a play on it, Loyola is the play. Probably going to be a stay away from me, however, and just sit back and enjoy the second round getting off to what feels like it should be a great start. Um, the first game that I'm going to be getting involved with uh, in the second round, or maybe not the first game, I can't. You know, I don't have the exact schedule perfectly in my brain, but a game that I know I like for sure, the one that jumped off the page at me, Arkansas and Texas Tech. And we actually have a couple of 6-3 games, Brian, this weekend or coming up in the second round where the sixth seed is actually the favorite. Arkansas uh, getting a point against Texas Tech here. Texas Tech, the sixth seed, laying the one, 141 over under in this game. I love Arkansas. You know, they got off to a very slow start against Colgate, but they were able to pull things back and ultimately win that game going away. And I, I love the clash and styles that we are going to get in this game between Texas Tech and Arkansas. But uh, I just think Arkansas flat out the better team. You know, obviously you sell Chris Beard in March at your own peril, but I wouldn't necessarily call this a selling of Chris Beard or Texas Tech. I think that Texas or that Arkansas put itself in just phenomenal shape uh, going into the end of the season and then getting things right against Colgate, getting tested, right? There's never, as long as you've passed that test, as long as you're not Ohio State and uh, going home after getting tested by Oral Roberts, so long as you pass that test, it's not a bad thing to be a three seed or a four seed and have to take on a tough matchup in the first round. I feel good about Arkansas going into this game with Texas Tech. It is definitely going to be a very challenging matchup to get that offense rolling against this Texas Tech defense. And we know what Mac McClung can do on the other side, but the spread's only asking them to win. I think they're the better team. They were the better team all year. They were a more consistent team all year. I think they could have matched or exceeded what Texas Tech did in the Big 12 had they had that opportunity. So give me Arkansas. Give me Arkansas pretty confidently. Where are you on this game? I like it. I like coming uh, with the confidence there. I, I was actually pretty impressed with what Arkansas did against Colgate uh, after Colgate was just bombing threes. Mm-hmm, <laughs> that first mm-hmm. half. It really looked like there was a, an upset brewing, and then they they settled things. They went on that 17 nothing run uh, and then kind of ran away with it in the second half. And I thought that was a pretty impressive performance against a, against a really solid Colgate team. So, yes, I, I like Arkansas here. I would have favored Arkansas. Uh, but this is a big-time stay away from me just because <laughs> – I'm not betting yep. against Chris Beard in this tournament. I'm just not <laughs> doing it. Uh, you know, I, he's, I think he's only lost three games. Something like it, I saw the stat yesterday, like 10 and three in the tournament <laughs> the last few years. Um, obviously went Pretty to good. the title game the last time there was a tournament. Um, and so as much as I do like Arkansas to win this game, uh, I, I would not bet it with my own money. That's for sure. <laughs> and the, uh, the winner of this game has to be, you know, don't, you don't want to look ahead, especially with how tough your opponent is later today, but this looks like whoever wins this game almost certainly going to be favored in their Sweet 16 matchup to move on to the Elite Eight with Oral Roberts taking out the two-seed Ohio State excuse me, in this part of the region. Let's move on to our next game here. Brian, another game of yours put up, and we're going to another 1-9 matchup this time. Baylor, the one seed 
uh, in the South region going up against Wisconsin. This is actually the second game of the day. Baylor minus six against the number nine seeded Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, Baylor minus 275 on the money line. Wisconsin, excuse me, that should say down there, plus 240. Uh, you like, uh, I'm guessing you like the Bears in this one. Uh, Wisconsin <laughs> did come out firing, looked like the Wisconsin we thought they were going to be for the majority of the season in their first round win over uh, North Carolina. This is obviously, however, a big time step up in weight class going up against the Bears. I got to ask you, Michael, as a, as a close Wisconsin Wisconsin watcher, where did that come from? Because we had not seen <laughs> no that. Yeah. We really haven't seen that from the Badgers all year long, maybe when they played Loyola way back in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is not a team that has done that, uh, that I can remember in Big Ten play uh, against a good competition. And maybe that says more about North Carolina, maybe the ACC, which did not have a good first round. Uh, it was nope. pretty, pretty down uh, overall anyway. But uh yeah, I, I just I don't believe that Wisconsin is that good uh, based on what we've seen the last couple of months, unless they flip some sort of weird tournament switch. So <laughs> I, I just think, uh, you know, if you'd have told me before the North Carolina game that I could get, you know, Baylor by six over Wisconsin in, in a tournament game, I would have taken Baylor all day long. And uh, I'm still there. I think Baylor matches up with them well. I think defensively uh, they can make it really difficult for Wisconsin to score. Um, and I just think they're, they're a lot better than – than Wisconsin, assuming that Wisconsin uh, hasn't figured it all out somehow. Yeah, you know, uh, the the Wisconsin grad in me wants to uh, believe in a throwback to 2017, I'm pretty sure it was, when the Badgers were an eighth seed and pulled off the upset against Villanova in the first round. Uh, the current day Wisconsin grad in me says exactly what you say. Where was this offense all season and how are they possibly going to match up with the athleticism that Baylor has on the perimeter? I just don't see it. I'll take the one win as a Wisconsin grad. I like Baylor a whole heck of a lot in this game as well. Uh, Let's move on to our next game here, Houston and Rutgers. This, I think, is going to be a really fun one. Uh, We've got uh, Houston, the two seed, uh, laying eight and a half against Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers uh, coming in 131 and a half on the over under. Rutgers plus 300 on the money line. Look, I faded Houston at my own peril a couple of times uh, at the end of the season here. Uh, you know, they, they really did seem to get things right after that late season, regular season loss. They obviously uh, cruised on through conference tournament, took care of business against Cleveland State. Uh, but you know, I still think that Rutgers keeps this game close. I think that uh, with what we've seen from Rutgers really all season, I, I just don't see a, a scenario in which they really get blown out in this game. I'm more worried about them being within arm's length late and a couple of fouls pushing this game over the number, over the eight and a half. But I feel like this is a game that Rutgers is able to stay you know, chest to chest right within uh, reach of the game at the very least. With Houston, and I think that they've got enough. We talked about this. We talked when uh, we were talking about their first round matchup with Clemson between Ron Harper and Geo Baker. Those are the sort of guys who can really carry a team, and I think that's enough offensive firepower to not only keep this game close, but make this one of the games that can continue the theme that we've seen of double digit seeds pulling off big upsets and tend to, you know, an upset that we're accustomed to seeing in the NCAA tournament. But this is an eight and a half point spread. I mean, this is not your, this is not just a, you know, 10-2 or 2-7 sort of matchup uh, where, you know, you totally expect the game to be close. An eight and a half point spread, certainly no joke. I feel pretty good about Rutgers at the very least being able to keep things close with their style of play, with Houston's style of play. This doesn't feel like a game where either team gets out and runs away from the other. So I just like it being a close game. Any lean for you on this one? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure about this one. You know, I think it's one of the biggest spreads of the day, maybe tied yeah. for the biggest spread of the day. And, you know, we didn't 
didn't hear a lot about Houston in their first round game. They can get a lot of attention, and that's exactly what you want when you're a one or two seed because they just <laughs> blew the doors off Cleveland State. It was wasn't close uh, really at any point. Playing very well. Um, one thing that worries me from a record standpoint is Houston's number two in the country in offensive rebounding. Rutgers 222nd in defensive rebounding. Mm-hmm. So you just wonder is Houston going to get a bunch of extra chances on the glass, uh, and then maybe kind of you know push this thing out to double digits. So I like your confidence, but I, I think I might stay away from this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, you know that, that's fine with me. You don't have to ride with me on Rutgers. I've sort of been fading Houston a little bit, like I said. So hopefully it finally comes around for me. Uh, let's get into a couple more games before we bring on Jason Scott here. Next game you want to talk about. Oral Roberts. Who doesn't want to talk about Oral Roberts after the upset that they pulled beating Ohio State? They're getting eight points. I mean, we just talked about it, right? We've got a 2-10 game, eight and a half. We've got a 7-15 game here. And Florida laying the eight against Oral Roberts, 148 and a half over under in this game. Uh, I mean, Oral Roberts, that was not just a flu. Like, Evelyn Christian against Texas. Texas turned the ball over 23 times. Texas shot the only got 40 field goal attempts. You know, there was a lot of fluke in that, and that's going to happen in the NCAA tournament. Oral Roberts showed up in a big way against Ohio State and looked like they absolutely belonged on the floor with the Buckeyes. Where are you going in this one, Brian, with uh, getting the eight against Florida? Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to take a stab with Oral Roberts. Uh, you know, I wrote, wrote a long story for them uh, for the Athletic uh, after that game uh, on Friday. Uh, and the thing about their upset – against Ohio State is Oral Roberts didn't shoot it all that well. Yeah. Uh, they really <laughs> didn't shoot well from three. Um, and, and I think something like about 39% for the game. And this is a team with a lot of offensive firepower, obviously with Max Aismas and, and Kevin O'Banner. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think they may even be better offensively in this game against Florida, uh, which is I don't think as good defensively as Ohio State. And, and so, I, you know, they're playing with house money at this point. Florida, <laughs> uh, you know, who, where are they personnel-wise with pain? Um, and I, I think that, you know, Aismas and O'Banner can keep them close. They scored 59 of their team, 75 points uh, the other day against Ohio State. Uh, that They're just – they're hard to contain for anybody, and I think the two of those guys, if they get it – if they start feeling it a little bit more than they did against Ohio State, I think there's a chance they could even win this game straight up. Ooh, wouldn't that be something, getting yeah. a 15 seed into the second round? Six turnovers for Oral Roberts against Ohio State. They just played – as you said, didn't shoot it that well, but they played – a very strong game and looked like they absolutely belong. They definitely proved that with the win over the Buckeyes. I'll get through my last game really quickly here. It's Oklahoma State and Oregon State. Oklahoma State, five-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. We got a 142-and-a-half over-under. I love Oklahoma State. You know, I picked them to go to the Final Four. A uh, little bit of a slow start uh, in their first-round game against Liberty, but ultimately you know, pulled away and won that game comfortably. Last few minutes of that game never really felt like it was in any sort of doubt. And you look at what happened in the first half. You've got Cade Cunningham uh, getting two fouls, scoring zero points, going 0 for 5 from the floor in the first half. And they were down by, I want to say, two or three going into halftime and then really controlled that game in the second half. That's what you want to see from a team like Oklahoma State. That's what you want to see from a big favorite. Oregon State, obviously, very hot, running through the Pac-12 tournament and then just really having no contest against Tennessee, just blowing them out of the gym in the first round. This is a very hot team. I totally understand that, but feeling very good about Oklahoma State being able to win this one five and a half, really not a big ask from the Cowboys. So that's where I stand on that game. Give me Oklahoma State and give me the Cowboys with plenty of confidence. Uh, Brian, there's no one better to ask about this stuff than Jason Scott, as we've been finding out uh, all all week long on the Ding U. Let's bring him in 
to talk about some second round games. Jason, of course, the uh, VP of trading at BetMGM. And Jason, I'm sure it was a, a very fun, exciting, boisterous first round at the sports book. We're ready for a little bit more of the same over the next couple of days in the second round. First question I want to ask you, it's something that we're always thinking about in the gambling world. We want to be on the right side. We want to be on the side of the Sharps. So where are you seeing that divide so far in the second round, Sharps versus public? Yeah, the biggest divide is the first game. And I, it, we haven't got any real divides. What we're seeing, we, we've seen very little action from the Sharps in the Illinois game, but the ticket riding's about 85%. Uh, the line's moved half a point on it, but really the Sharps are not at all involved and the public are only Illinois. Not surprisingly. We're actually, <laughs> as an aside, we're seeing the same thing for the Futures book. Uh, every day I wake up, Illinois is 100,000 worse, more liability than it was the day before. We're seeing a trickle for Gonzaga and nothing for anyone else. Hmm. It tells you something for sure. Uh, <laughs> well, we have a lot of double-digit seeds into the second round. Makes it for some interesting matchups, Jason. Which which second-round games are, are you seeing the most action on at this point? Uh, the, again, you mentioned before you like Oral Roberts. We've seen a lot of action there both ways. One bet of 220000 to win 200 minus eight on Florida. Uh, the other game, as I said, again, and I don't know whether it's a recency bias, but the most tickets has been the uh, Illinois, Leola, Chicago, and the other game with interest is Syracuse, West Virginia. Yes, yeah, Syracuse, West Virginia, I would imagine, is uh, is a pretty exciting one. And we're actually going to talk to uh, Matthew Gutierrez from The Athletic a little bit later, who covers Syracuse, get his uh, take on where that game stands. Uh, but uh, I got to ask here, uh, uh, Jason, you know, you already mentioned that uh, you're getting a lot on uh, Illinois in the futures market. Are there any other teams that are standing out in the futures market? Maybe in a way that, you know, didn't quite register before the tournament, any team getting a little bit more action in that way since the tournament has begun? Yeah, if any, and look, I like our chances of keeping the money here, but we are seeing nibbles <laughs> from Ohio at very big odds. And even a little bit more after Ohio State got knocked out, but that one, that one hasn't got my knees knocking yet. I think we're pretty good there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mentioned all those underdogs that we have uh, in the second round and you mentioned a lot of action on uh, the Oral Roberts game. But uh, of all those underdogs, the double digit seeds, uh, is there one that's getting kind of the most love uh, from betters in the second round? The yeah, Oregon State. Uh, oh, OK. Well, I, they've, they've come off the conference win. They were good. Mm -hmm. I thought they were very good um, on Friday. Uh, uh, we're seeing that the, they're sort of six and a half down to five and a half. So the pros had a nibble first and the public's following in. Man, well, I, I'm on Oklahoma State, so I hope uh, I hope those guys are uh, I hope those guys are I'm on Oklahoma State today. I'm an Oklahoma State going to the final four. So man, I, I'm, I'm positioning myself against the popularity. Hopefully that ends up uh, working out in my favor. Um, let's talk about that also from uh, what you said, right? You said your knees aren't knocking quite yet against Ohio. Is there anyone? that you have your knees knocking uh, when you're thinking about who do you guys need on a day like today and looking into tomorrow's games as early as those bets might be? Yeah, look, we're reasonably covered. Like Friday was a bonanza for bookmakers. Let's not, let's not <laughs> hunt around the chase. Yesterday things were a little bit – little bit. Uh, the punters certainly got in front early, but Maryland, UConn, ACC late uh, – sorry, Maryland being UConn, ACC, UCLA – uh, the results came around for the bookmakers. I suspect we just had our head in front yesterday. Today, 
uh, Oral Robert is certainly going to have fun. But I think I think if we get Illinois beaten and even not to cover uh, in the first game, we'll be right. And that, that actually happened yesterday. We had a lot of favourites win but not cover. Michigan, Kansas, mm-hmm. Alabama, Iowa, Iowa. So there was we've we've had a bit of luck in the first couple of days. It's time. <laughs> Just the guys who need the luck too, right? The <laughs> just the guys who are looking. <laughs> build another, build another big uh, casino out there for sure. Uh, that's Jason Scott. Jason, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. I can, I thought you know it's six a.m. in Vegas. You know, sleep in. We'll talk to you uh, before the Sweet Sixteen. But you said nope. I'm good. I'll be there with you. So thank you so much for joining us here today. I don't know if you're going to go back to sleep before this uh, Illinois Loyola game or whatever. But thank you so much for being with us all first round, all second round. We'll talk to you before the Sweet 16. Pleasure, gents, and good luck to everyone having a bet today. <laughs> there we go. Thanks so much, Jason Scott, VP of Trading from Bet MGM. See, it's always the books. They just they need a little bit of luck, Brian. They just need uh, some things to go their way. That's how it works. And that time that plucky underdog, right? right. Finally get a little break. <laughs> the, the Oral Roberts of the gambling world, the casinos and the sports books. I'm very happy that they got their way. Uh, really quick, though, register with BetMGM using the bonus code ATHLETICMM. Bet $1 to win $100 when any of our picks at The Athletic win their next matchup. And plus, we will give you a one-year free subscription to The Athletic so you can experience the absolute best coverage of the tourney and every single other thing we do in the sports world. Go to BetMGM.com. Use the promo code ATHLETICMM. When you sign up, new BetMGM customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Uh, all right, Brian, what do you say we uh, bring in a couple of our friends here from The Athletic, Matthew Gutierrez and Eamon Brennan, a couple of our uh, athletic college basketball writers. Guys, thanks so much for joining us here this morning as we're getting ready for the second round. Uh, Eamon, I'm going to go to you first here. I want to talk about Alabama and Maryland. We've got Opposite poles uh, in this game with the way that these two teams play. Alabama playing at a very fast pace, the ninth fastest adjusted tempo, according to Ken Palm. Maryland, they're down at 320. Is it as simple as saying whichever team's able to get this game to their desired pace is going to be the team moving on to the Sweet 16? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think for Alabama, um, as we saw yesterday, it has to come in spurts. You know, they're they want to play fast. And I think in Nate Oates' ideal world, they'd play like 90 possessions a game um, mm-hmm. and they just run at you a la North Carolina. But they're, um, you know, as we saw in their first round game, they go through big stretches where things don't work. And I think the most impressive thing about them all year has been that even when they're not putting up 95 or 100 or sometimes 115 points in 40 minutes on teams, which they were doing early in the SEC season, um, they can grind out wins on the defensive end, hit a couple shots th- down the other way. And because they have this baseline uh, of really good defense and the ability to, you know, we saw yesterday with Javon Quinterly, the guy gets a couple layups in a row, kicks out for a three, and then that game's basically over. You know, it, they're not the kind of team that has to constantly over and over again get the ball up the floor and and push and push and push and if they start missing a few shots it's like oh boy here we go like they can't you know it, they're not one of those teams they have a little different vibe so i like alabama against maryland there's no real size issues there for them to deal with maryland matches up well but doesn't give them any real issues on the other end the way um you know a team with a true big might 
And I think, yeah, Maryland will want to will want to play slow and control the game, and they may have some success doing that. But I think even if you do that in the half court, Alabama can still beat you, which is good hard nosed defense. Hey, Matthew, Syracuse, their diabolical plan of just sneaking into the tournament <laughs> as a double digit seed and, and lighting everybody on fire with that two three zone. It's it's coming to fruition yet again. What a, what an amazing annual tradition that is. But you know, I think. Uh, West Virginia is going to be a, a tough matchup for them, perhaps more difficult than the San Diego State uh, matchup. San Diego State didn't have a lot of length. Uh, West Virginia does. Uh, West Virginia, um, you know, really good on the glass. What do you think about this matchup for Syracuse? And, 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 you know, can they do this again and get to the Sweet 16? For sure. I mean, uh, Syracuse has now made the Sweet 16 t- twice as a double-digit seed. This would be the third time. All they have to do is win. Uh, win the one more game. I mean, look, West Virginia's got, you know, the four shooters, basically. They'll have the big guy in the middle. Obviously, that's going to be a handful uh, for Q. San Diego State, you know, great team, I think, all year. They look like they hadn't seen a zone uh, ever in their lifetimes, just with the way they tried to sh- chuck up threes all, all game and didn't work the ball in the middle. Just kind of the, the how-tos to breaking this team down this year. This team has been vulnerable. Throughout the ACC schedule, San Diego State did not do that. I would think West Virginia uh, would see the tape and, and and look to get the ball in the middle. I think this is a really tough game for Cuse. That said, I wouldn't be surprised, right? We saw 2016. We saw 2018. They beat a number of teams in the 16 run, including Gonzaga uh, and Virginia. And then in 2018, uh, they got a relatively easy path, but they did beat Michigan State. Michigan State was a, one of the higher seeds in the whole uh, whole region, and they did win that game, uh, and almost beat Duke in the Sweet 16. So uh, that said, this is a this is a mid late March thing with the zone. Teams seem to get a little spooked out, especially teams that it is a cliche, but that don't really see a decent zone. It, it wasn't really that good this year. I think it's nine in the mid 90s right now in Ken Palm and efficiency. Uh, this is a Syracuse team that can score it a little bit, though. They they they're 15th in the country in offensive efficiency, which is their best mark uh, since their 2012 team went 34-3, and give or take a, a win there. So this team can really score. I do think West Virginia, obviously, is a, is a top-20 offense as well. They'll probably be a pretty high scoring. Both teams at times have really had trouble guarding people on the, on the perimeter. Uh, but I would probably pick – I have West Virginia here in the Sweet 16 in my bracket, but what do I know? Cuse, you know, for all it's worth, could, could go to another Elite Eight or something at uh, this rate. Yeah, I was watching uh, last night's games with a friend, and I said to him that, like, one of these years, oh, maybe it'll be next year, I can't guarantee it, but one of these years, I'm going to stop spite-picking against uh, Syracuse in the first round because it's not doing me any favors when I'm trying to fill out a successful bracket. And again, here we find them in the second round going up against West Virginia. Uh, Ema, let's move on to another game here uh, with one of our uh, big darlings of the tournament, uh, the Ohio Bobcats pulling off the upset over Virginia. This is one we talked about with you a couple of days ago. Ended up coming to fruition. Now they get a Creighton team that had to scrap and claw to get by UCSB. Creighton still the favorites, however, in this one, laying the five and a half. When you look at this game, you look at this matchup, where do you think ultimately it's decided? Yeah, it's it's. I think it's decided out top with Jason Preston again. I mean, I think um, that was basically true against Virginia. It kind of played out the way we thought it would. Um, and I thought Virginia would ultimately probably hold on. The biggest concern was their vulnerabilities coming into the tournament, not having practiced for a week, not having really, you know, done any sort of physical activity for a mm-hmm. week, basically being in lockdown. 
that was that was you know i think on a on a regular night and tony bennett would never say this and refuse to even go close to the topic in his postgame press conference last night but i wrote it like i think basically virginia played its usual game they were great defensively they just missed a ton of shots just a ton they looked off offensively the whole night and ohio stuck around in the game and then got to that poor part of the game in the ncaa tournament you see where the favorite is looking a little uh, you know a little knock kneed and anxious and the the underdog plays with a little bit more freedom and uh ben vanderplas a former um grade school teammate of sam hauser's who was guarded by sam hauser played without any fear he played like a guy who looked like he had played someone since since grade school and was still <laughs> still confident that he was just as good as him, even if no one else in the world thinks that. You know, like his mind had been made up when he was six. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he he uh, he took over the game for a stretch and scored ten straight points in the second yeah. half. Hit a couple really deep threes. They just made shots, and and Virginia didn't. I I would I think we could see a similar scenario with Creighton if Creighton just doesn't make shots. It's kind of that simple. Um, similar offensive team in a way to Virginia and that if they're making threes this year, um, they're very difficult to guard and deal with. And then they start getting layups and you're pretty much done. But if Creighton has an off night shooting kind of the way they did with UCSB, um, then Jason pressing out top running the game late, um, making things happen for his teammates. He almost had a triple double against Virginia. Yeah. It's a dangerous matchup that I think you just have to be good on the offensive end against Ohio. They haven't been a good defensive team. If you make your shots, make open threes, you win, to, you know, going away. But if you don't, you could be in real trouble down the stretch. Matthew, we get a, I think an underrated, maybe people aren't talking about as much game uh, four or five matchup in Colorado and Florida state, Colorado looked terrific, obviously against Georgetown, Florida state kind of had to hang on against a, a good UNC Greensboro team, but you know, Kim Palm likes Colorado in this game actually. And, you know, Colorado has been, have been great in the computer numbers all year long. Uh, Florida State, to me, looks like a team that probably should be a little bit better than it is, mm -hmm. even though it's had some uh, good results. Uh, but we have a Colorado team that plays a little slow against a Florida State team that would like to push the tempo a little bit. How, how do you see this matchup shaping up? Yeah, this is an intriguing one. It's a tough one. You know, I, I still feel on the on the Florida State side, I think they have the the edge here. They do have the, you know, slightly higher seat here. But uh, FSU, you know, at times, like like you touch on there, they'll, they'll look like a stellar team. They'll they'll beat pretty much anyone in the ACC on a given day, even in a you know good ACC. Looking back a couple of years ago, um, or they'll just kind of flop, and and they've done that before uh, against some teams that are just not even close talent level wise to them. They'll turn it over, they'll miss the the open shots, and they'll and they'll let anybody really uh, stay in the game against them at times. So that is the concern with FSU. It's really a, a you know read and react kind of game with them. Uh, I still think that they have, you know, they have the size. They have some some decent shooters and some guys who can make plays. I I gotta say, uh, Florida State's probably um, uh, you know the slight favorite here as, as it shows. But uh, again, like you said, Colorado's really solid club. They looked really good uh, in their first game. Uh, you know, this is probably one that goes that goes either way. Just really depending on again FSU, what kind of team shows up for uh, for Leonard Hamilton? This is that team that's. You know, won a won an ACC championship, or uh, especially last year. You know, they they win it, um, or is mm -hmm. it is it more of the team that kind of just doesn't show up, and and you're shaking your head where you see all this talent and and things just don't go right. Yeah, this is the only four or five matchup that we have in the second round. We had a, a four or a five go down in every other pod, so it's the only four or five matchup that we're getting, and. 
not surprisingly, also the smallest line that we have in the second round with Florida State laying just the one. Uh, Eamon, let's talk about uh, the Oregon Ducks and their second-round matchup with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Obviously, Oregon moving on in the no contest with VCU, unable to play because of COVID-19. Put on your Dan Altman hat. You haven't played in 10 days. You're going up against this powerhouse offense in Iowa. No question about them offensively all season long. Sure, the defense has been an issue, but that offense shows up basically every night. How do you prepare to keep up with this offense having not played for 10 days by the time you take the floor? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough. I think um, Iowa is I, this is a team. If I was Iowa, I wouldn't really want to see. Um, I think Oregon has plenty of flaws this year for sure, um, but they score the ball pretty well. You know, this ended up being the best offensive team in the Pac-12 by the end of the season per possession. Um, they are really tricky in that it's basically a team full of every of guys between six, six and six, eight on the floor at, at any given time. And they stretch the floor. They all play a little bit of guard, a little bit of forward. Everyone can basically shoot. Um, Altman can go a little bit different with matchups if he wants with like Frank Kapnong, um, who's a big sort of Bambi like player. Who's going to be really, really good. I think once he sort of gets his feet underneath him, but it has a lot of really natural talent in terms of hands and footwork. And is a guy you can put in on Luca Garza and, and make his life, Difficult, and I just think Oregon's matchup zone, Dana Allman's matchup zone, we, we talked about Syracuse a little bit earlier. Uh, that is the kind of thing that if I was Dana Altman, I would just love to have in my back pocket because teams don't see it. I don't know. Does, does anyone in the Big Ten play a matchup zone with any sort of regularity? I don't think it so. It comes to my mind, yeah. Yeah, and they certainly don't play it with, again, a roster full of guys who are all 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, and can are kind of interchangeable and can – pop in and out of different places. It's going to be a look that Iowa hasn't seen. I think they'll probably overcome it, but I don't think it's going to be an easy game unless, you know, they start off like with a 20 to three run, hitting a bunch of threes, which they're totally capable of doing. I think it's going to be a grind. It's going to be tough to get shots. And they're going to have to make a couple of big ones down the stretch because Luca Garza might be fine, but I think getting open looks such a key part of their offense beyond having the best interior player in the country, getting open threes uh, from inside out movement is going to be really, really difficult against an Oregon team that we've seen make deep tournament runs frequently under Dana Altman because, again, like Syracuse, that matchup zone gives people fits. Yeah, definitely not a team you want to see in March. I've actually got Oregon in my uh, lead eight because of that. Uh, uh, good second-round matchup, uh, Matthew, Michigan, LSU. I think talent-wise, LSU can match up with, with Michigan. Uh, a lot of pros on that team. Sometimes they don't play defense, but they could certainly fill it up. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about this matchup when you look at it, and what does LSU have to do to, to maybe pull the big upset here? Yeah, like you said, they're going to have to go play some defense for sure against a really talented Michigan team. Michigan team I still kind of go back to, and you guys know our Brendan Quinn has, has done a great job covering them, but I kind of go back to the, the game after, what, their three-week pause. They casually knock off, what was it, I think at the time, 20 or 21 Wisconsin, top definitely top 25. Uh, just speaks to the power they have. I think this is a a tough matchup for LSU, but like you said, they have they have some talent there to to match up. You know, Dickinson's been uh, phenomenal, obviously down the stretch here, especially inside. He he will be uh, you know trouble for for LSU. I think the other guy is, is Franz Wagner. He's fourteen and one when he scores double digit points uh, for Michigan this season. I think he's kind of that X factor. He's that guy who can get them you know past a, an eight seed here and 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 into the Sweet Sixteen. I think. 
you know, if, if he's ca- if he's capable of, he's capable of doing that, if he can do that, I think Michigan is relatively fine in this game. Uh, I'd say if, if there isn't the supporting cast that Michigan uh, got, you know, in their first game, uh, this is a game LSU easily could kind of steal and sneak up on you uh, quickly. Like you said, they have the certainly the talent and, and the people um, really all over the floor to, to score it with Michigan. That said, Michigan's defense is time at times is really stepped up and can and can maybe limit a really good club uh, in LSU. I think this is a this is a game that's just going to be decided by who who shows up and who brings the most uh, energy. Michigan certainly favored Michigan, the better team uh, this season, but LSU. Uh, can score it a little bit, and if Michigan, you know, doesn't doesn't bring it fully defensively, this could be closer than than we might think. Yeah, this was clearly the danger zone game for Michigan in the first weekend. Uh, getting to this matchup with LSU, if they can get over the hump here, maybe get Isaiah Livers back next weekend, then they get back to being the full on Michigan that put themselves in a tier with Gonzaga or Baylor and Baylor earlier this season. Eamon Brennan and Matthew Gutierrez, Matt from the car, Eamon with a great picture of DC Matt behind you. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. Enjoy the rest of uh, the second round here. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Brian. One more thing for you and me to get to before we sign off on today's episode of Ding You. Let's talk best bets. Best bets for the second round. It could be something you already talked about. It could be some one of the first games that we talked about at the top. It could be something we haven't hit on yet. But just to wrap things up here, maybe people weren't with us at the start of the show but are here now. Give us just your number one best bet for the second round today, tomorrow, whatever it is. What do you got and why? Well, this is probably really stupid considering what's happened in the tournament so far. Good start. Good start. Way to sell it. <laughs> I love the one and two seeds the next couple of days. And I love I love Illinois. Uh, I love uh, Alabama against Maryland. And I really like Gonzaga against Oklahoma, especially without Davian Harmon for Oklahoma. I think uh, Gonzaga can really put it on them uh, in a way that Villanova did to Oklahoma a couple of years ago. So uh, I'm going with the ones and two seeds in a tournament where the 10s and 12s and 13s have done uh, a lot of damage, but I think we're going to start to see the cream rise to the top here in the next mm-hmm. uh, week or two. Is there any one or two that just totally stands out above the rest for you? Uh, you mean in terms of betting or in terms yep. of, yep. uh, you know, I like Illinois as we, as we mentioned, and I love Gonzaga. Those two, I think uh, I would, I would put, put a significant amount on. And I still like Baylor a lot too. So uh, I, I can't quit these teams. I love them. And uh, <laughs> I think uh, they've got good matchups. Yeah, Gonzaga laying 14 against Oklahoma in the second round and absolutely justified. We know what that Gonzaga team has been all season. Uh, you know, I'm going to go back to one that I did. I'll say earlier, I, I love Arkansas. I, I really think that as tough a matchup as it is with Texas Tech, that they're just simply the better team. And we're getting a point on them here in this game uh, a little bit later today. So I, I really like the Razorbacks. I think that they ultimately win that game. And they were an Elite Eight pick for me. Obviously, the road was softened up with Oral Roberts taking out Ohio State. And they have a very tough hurdle to clear to even get to the Sweet 16 before they would have to win another game to get to the Elite Eight. But this is a team I buy. I love what Eric Musselman has built there in Arkansas. And I think that they 
do get past Texas Tech, move on to the second round. And I'll throw another one at you. I'll look at that other 6-3 game where we do have a six-seed favored USC and Kansas. USC favored by one and a half in that one. Love what this team has done down the stretch. Absolutely took care of business against Drake. Really no pressure whatsoever on them in that game. Win it going away. Kansas had to fight for his life against Eastern Washington. Ultimately prevailed. Looked pretty good offensively in the second half. But I think that everything ends for them with Evan Mobley and USC in the second round. So give me one three over a six. Arkansas over Texas Tech. Give me a six over a three in USC taking down the Kansas Jayhawks. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Daily Ding U. Thank you so much for joining us once again here. If you're just tuning in right here at the end and you missed basically everything we did, don't worry about it. This will be published as a podcast on our Daily Ding feed right when we are done here. So be sure to check that out. Brian and I will be back with you again on Thursday as we reset everything going into the Sweet 16. We'll be with you Thursday, Friday, Monday, and Tuesday covering the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Until then, enjoy the second round. Thanks so much for joining us today. For Brian, Jason Scott from BetMGM, Eamon, and Matthew Gutierrez, I am Michael Beller. Have a great day. Have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy the second round, and good luck if you're making any bets today.